Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you very much for taking a moment to take a look at the book with us. We want to talk to you in this next few moments as we listen to a portion of my series entitled Return to Eden and help you understand why Jerusalem will be the center of controversy in the last days. What does Jerusalem have to do with the original Garden of Eden? Well, I can tell you this even before we take a time to take a look at the book. It is key in understanding why Jerusalem will be so controversial just prior to the return of Jesus Christ. This series, Return to Eden, deals with all the issues you need to know about. Take a moment with us. Let's listen, and then I'll tell you how you can get your own copy of Return to Eden. But here in chapter 3, verse 1, the deceiver is Satan in the form of a serpent. Why? Because the thought is they are very subtle, deceptive. You ever watched a snake? I love to watch a snake in the, in the, I mean, I love just to watch them in the woods and, and how they in and out. And, oh, it's so neat. It's, they're just, a, oh, shut up. What's wrong with you pansies? <laughs> I mean, they're great. They're great. All of you got your bodies or your skin's crawling, I can tell already. But they're subtle. By the way, do you know, that's uh, not something strange. Remember in the book of Revelation, chapter 9, satanic creatures show up as locusts, grasshoppers. In the book of Numbers, Satan shows up as a donkey to Balaam. This was a serpent that was energized by Satan. You've never I, I've studied a lot of snakes. A lot of snakes. I've had every poisonous snake in America. I've caught them. I've dealt with them. I've held them. I've done, I, I know about them. And not a one of them has ever talked to me. None of them had a way of reasoning with me. So this is Satan in the form of a serpent. He's the deceiver. He's the one that's coming. That word subtle. You know what that really means? Wise to evil. Wise to evil. He knew what he was going to do. He had a plan set. He said, God jumped over me. And gave man dominion. Now I'm going to get that dominion back. And so the deceiver comes in the form of a serpent. That say, by the way, that's consistent with the Revelation. Revelation chapter 12 verse 9. Where it says, take that dragon. Remember Michael? Take that dragon. That dragon, that old serpent called the devil. And Satan and cast him out. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 2, take that serpent, that old serpent, the devil, and Satan, cast him into the lake of fire. He's the deceiver. Let's look at the deception and what he's going to do. You see, the deceiver was a serpent. The deception is going to be suggestion. He's going to suggest some things. Look what he says, and he starts off right here. And the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the, every tree of the garden? Laying that question out. Yeah, has God said you're not supposed to eat of the tree? By the way, you know why he went to the woman? Because God didn't say it to the woman. God said it to the man. Man told the woman. God, in chapter 2, before he had brought a rib out of Adam to make woman, told Adam, 
Here is the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You can eat of all the trees of this garden, but don't eat of that tree of knowledge and good and evil. And then woman comes into existence, and man, Adam, tells woman, we're not to eat of that tree. Along comes this wise to evil serpent and says, did God really say you're not supposed to eat of that tree? Got her to thinking, causing doubt to enter in. Look what else. And the woman said unto the serpent, verse 2, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Oh, yeah? He didn't say, Neither shall ye touch it. He just said, Don't eat of it. Now, logically, you can't touch it if you're, uh, if you're going to try to eat of it, but it didn't say you couldn't touch it. You can hold it and you can touch it and squeeze it and just don't eat of it. Again, doubt, and now distortion comes in. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Doubt again. By the way, is this the pattern that uh, you have noticed in your own personal life when sin is starting to creep in on you? Verse 5, here's what Satan says. For God doth know, here's what Satan says to Eve. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as God's. Knowing good and evil. Do you know there is a man, listen, and a woman, husband and wife team that preach on Christian television who propagate the fact that we will become gods? Who was that? Kenneth Copeland and his wife, Gloria. And I've seen them. I've seen him with Kenneth Hagan, who was their mentor. Look, I'm naming names because this is out of the pit of hell. Please excuse me. If you don't agree with me, come talk to me. Don't talk to anybody else before you talk to me. If you have aught against your brother, find him and talk to him. I can show you a video where Kenneth Hagin starts standing up there and preaching and starts sounding like a serpent saying, and I see Gloria and Ken Copeland slither out of their chair and wither around all over the floor like serpents. They're preaching and teaching, you will become gods. And that was Satan's approach. Notice what he used. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. First John chapter 2. That's the steps to sin. And so he is using doubt and distortion to deceive these who ultimately sin. Well, what happens with sin? The deception is accepted and death intercedes. God said he would separate. Death is really separation from him. Go to verse 22 of chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed him in the east of the garden of Eden, in the land of Eden. And then cherubim he set with flaming swords, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. He knew 
God knew that if they now were able to get back into the Garden of Eden and take of the tree of life, they would live forever in their sin. But he had instituted in chapter 3, verse 15, how he was going to give them redemption. We'll get into that tomorrow when we talk about sacrifice in the Garden of Eden. And so it was established right here in the Garden of Eden in perfection. Satan sins, in perfection, man sins. And the pattern is set. Now, let me just take it a little bit farther. We've got a few moments more. Let me take it a little bit farther. The extent of sin. The extent of sin. Oh, we see the extent of sin. We see the lead up to what's going to happen at the flood in chapters 4, 5, and 6 of the book of Revelation. Excuse me, the book of Genesis. Look here in chapter 6. Let me show you something in chapter 6, the extent of sin. Verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man who, have, who I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. And it repenteth me that I have made them. God comes to a conclusion after seeing the epitome of sin made manifest in what we're going to look at in just a moment, that this is it. It repenteth me that I made them. I'm going to wipe them all out. Everything that I've created except eight living souls. I'm going to wipe them out. What was it? What was it that drove him over the edge? It wasn't the murder of Cain and killing Abel. No, it wasn't that murder. It wasn't the fact that They had multiplicity of wives. It wasn't anger. It wasn't the building of cities. You can read in chapters 4 and 5 what happened. It wasn't that they resisted the preaching of two righteous men, Enoch and Noah. It wasn't those things that got him over the edge. You know what got him over the edge? Evil, angelic activity with human beings. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to a portion of a series I have entitled Return to Eden. I talk about the Garden of Eden, the beginning and the end. I talk about sin in the Garden of Eden and how that would then conform to what Jesus Christ did when he was crucified. I talk about the sacrifice in the Garden of Eden, the battle for Jerusalem, and the Messiah's throne room. All of these studies are a part of the five-hour series, a five-part audio series on CD that is available for you if you would like to purchase it and have it for your own individual study. It's entitled Return to Eden, and you can call our toll-free number to find out how much it would cost and how you can make your order. That toll-free number from across America is 877-674-3298. Again, that number, 877-674-3298. Or you can actually go to our website, prophecytoday.com, go to the shopping mall, and you can make your order online. Again, that's prophecytoday.com. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, and I want to thank you for joining me here as we've studied through a portion of Scripture that helps us to understand we're quickly approaching the time of the return of Jesus Christ back to the earth and actually back to the Garden of Eden. But before that, of course, remember, the rapture takes place. And actually, that could happen before I finish the next sentence. And if I am allowed to finish it, here's what I'm going to say. Let's keep looking up until...